and we are officially recording our first podcast. Good morning, Mickey. How you doing, buddy? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing okay. How are you? My goal is to make you laugh into the mic. <laughs> You're doing a good job already. Oh, Mickey, it's good to talk to you on this lovely Sunday morning, uh, September 9th, the ninth month, ninth day of 2018. Yes, yes, it is. It's a balmy 80-something degrees outside in Mississippi right now. Just going to get hotter, I'm sure. Well, it is 70 degrees Fahrenheit here in lovely Southern California. We're expecting a high of 100 today. Wow. Yeah, fundamentally, that is a, is a painful process. September can often be the hottest month of the year for me here in uh, the Northern Hemisphere. Um, it's kind of crazy. Really? Okay. Has nothing to do with all the fires? You know, actually, this year, the, the, the fact that California has been burning, we've been one of the few areas that has not been tormented. In years past, we have had fires that have been pretty horrible. In fact, the most uh, painful one was in 2003. In fact, I was speaking at PDC, the Professional Developers Conference for Microsoft, in 2003, and the fire got within two miles of my house. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. That is kind of crazy. But we're not here to talk about forest fires. What are we here to talk about, Brian? I mean, why would we get up and do this on a Sunday morning like we're doing? Well, I think there's a couple things going on. The title of this wonderful podcast is DevOps.FM. So we're going to talk about all things DevOps. Rock on. So in theory, we could even tell people, welcome to DevOps FM, a new podcast devoted to all things DevOps. You do that so well. Your dulcet tones just coming from the land of Elvis. <laughs> but as Brian said, yes, we have gotten together finally to put together our lifelong dream of being on a podcast together. So. I figure we should probably start off by letting people who don't know who we are, which I'm sure there are some people who don't know who we are, not many, but some, by introducing ourselves. So Brian, you take it away first. Who are you? My name is Brian Randall. I'm a Microsoft MVP, a software consultant who focuses on helping teams build software better uh, using techniques like Scrum, technologies like Microsoft's Team Foundation Server and Visual Studio Team Services and just generally delivering value to your users. I've written code for, oh, we don't want to get into it. It's going over 30 years. I've got started HP 3000 mini computers. I've done COBOL, RPG, C, C++, very badly, mind you. Um, did VB and COM in the 90s. COM is love, don't forget. And uh, these days, it's all about .NET, uh, .NET and .NET Core. You, Mickey? Well, hi, I am Mickey Gousset. I am from Tupelo, Mississippi, and if you don't know what Tupelo, Mississippi is world famous for, you should go look it up because you'll be surprised. Like Brian, I've been in the software world for a while, um, been a developer for a while, been an IT pro for a while, and now my latest incarnation, I am a DevOps architect at Microsoft. So I am part of the DevOps customer advisory team, and we go around helping customers make their stuff more DevOpsy. Now, Brian and I have known each other for about 
15 years now, and we knew each other through the Microsoft MVP program, Most Valuable Professional Program, which is a program that Microsoft uses to recognize people that give back to the development community. And we met each other because we were both Microsoft, at the time, Visual Studio Team System MVPs, which then became Application Lifecycle Management MVPs, which then became what? Uh, Visual Studio Development MVPs? I don't know. Something like that. And then, of course, here we are now. Brian is still an MVP. I am not because I work for Microsoft. Yeah, you left me. I did, but in a way I didn't. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So... Brian and I have wanted to work together for a while doing a podcast or something to that effect, and we're finally getting off our butts and doing it. So what do you think? How do you think this show is going to go, Brian, just in general? Well, I think, uh, well, for this show, we have something very exciting to talk about, but in general... Breaking news. You know, as we said, we wanted to talk about DevOps in general. Obviously, we have a bias because we work with the Microsoft stack, but, you know, as Microsoft's got more open... There's just so much to talk about in building solutions. And I think the word that comes to mind is heterogeneous, right? The fact that with the tool stack that we're very familiar with, we can help people deliver value no matter what tools they use to build their software solutions, whether it be on Macs, Linux machines, or good old Windows. So uh, for this show, I think uh, we might want to talk about something that's near and dear to our heart, and that is Visual Studio Team Service and TFS and how the future looks for this set of tools because as you mentioned we've known each other for a long time and microsoft shipped tfs their on-premises team software back in march of 2006 2006 yeah it was march 17 2006 st patrick's day um so a lot has changed in that time period in fact i think people need to realize that they might have biases on what tfs is from the past and so it's important to always be looking forward with remembering where you've been. And that is very true. Whether you're talking about technology, whether you're talking about life, you should always kind of look back to also see where you're, where you're, where you've been. So you can make sure you've plotted the path forward correctly. But as you mentioned, Brian, on our first episode ever of DevOps FM, we have some very, 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 Special news. And Brian, what is that news? Well, tomorrow there should be an amazing announcement, which by the time you hear this podcast will be passed because we will release after the announcement. But Microsoft is rebranding and rethinking what it means to deliver DevOps tools. They are renaming Visual Studio Team Services to Azure DevOps Services. Azure DevOps Services. Okay. So we could have gone old school and changed VSTS to be Visual Studio Team System again, but they chose not to. They've gone Azure DevOps Services. That's interesting. Now, one of the things about it, before we get into the technical details, is sadly the service has had way too many names for its short lifespan. Uh, this is one of the downsides, I think, to Microsoft. And, you know, I can say this as a non-employee. It's at times increasingly frustrating 
the the emphasis placed on names, but it's important that we're able to identify with the product and what it does. So Visual Studio Team Services is the current name if you were to log onto the website uh, on the 9th of September. And before that, it was Visual Studio Online, which really confused people. Before that, we had Team Foundation Service. There's all these different things. And so the renaming is there for a reason, but there's more than just the name. And I think that's a key thing. I don't want to spend too much time on the name. What I want to focus on is why. And the why is really straightforward. Up until this point, when you've acquired Team Foundation Server or Visual Studio Team Services and used it, you've gotten kind of an all or nothing package. You get everything whether you want it or not. And one of the big changes is now they're taking Azure DevOps and breaking up into five areas. So Visual Studio Team Services and Team Foundation Server get new names. But more importantly, on the service, Azure DevOps Services is something made up of five areas. We have Azure Boards, Azure Repos, Azure Pipelines, Azure Test Plans, and Azure Artifacts. Now, those are all things that were already in the product, or are they brand new things? Or are those just renames of things that were there already? So there's two things going on. Number one, yes, everything I listed is already in the product. That said, we are getting new functionality to make the individual pieces of Azure DevOps services more approachable and easier to integrate into a non-Azure DevOps solution. One of the biggest things Microsoft has recognized, particularly as Microsoft has embraced open source, right? You know, it's, it's been crazy the journey Microsoft's been on since really before 2012. I think Wix was like kind of like the first open source thing. But if you look at the timeline of the various things, everything from Git integration and TypeScript all the way through VS Code, PowerShell, uh, Core, .NET Core, and then all the way up to today and where we're at and all the things that Microsoft is doing in the open source space, as well as being the number one contributor to Git, um, sorry, the number one contributor to GitHub, what we see is that Microsoft's really learning how to be a good open source citizen and how open source teams want to work. And in doing so, they've realized that people like certain things, but they don't want it all. So starting with Azure Pipelines is probably the primary example. A lot of people use GitHub for their open source projects. But when it comes to build and release technology, that's something that GitHub doesn't really offer. It relies on partners. So as part of the rebranding, Azure Pipelines is going to be an individual service that you can purchase on its own. And by doing that, you'll be able to integrate it very richly with services like GitHub. In fact, what you're going to see is if you go to the GitHub marketplace, you'll be able to acquire Azure Pipelines directly. You will not have to have an existing VSTS account, aka Azure DevOps account. You won't have to have done a bunch of setup. You can do it all from there. Um, in addition, as part of this Microsoft loves open source, you'll have free unlimited build minutes for public projects. So for those projects that are open source and available to the world, Microsoft wants to help you give back, which means you'll be able to build for Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. Um, and as part of doing that, they use what's called an agent architecture, and you'll be able to run up to 10 parallel jobs. So you can run four Windows jobs, three Linux, and three Mac OS at a time, or any kind of permutation with unlimited build minutes. 
Now, public projects is something that's relatively new, right? It's it's available on GitHub. Most of the projects now, if you don't pay to use GitHub, then your project is is considered a public project. But now that's something we're going to be able to do on Azure DevOps services. And as you said, if it is an open source public project, we'll even be able to get unlimited build minutes. That's correct. So GitHub has always had the model that if you make your repo, your code repository available to the world for free, then they will not charge you. Uh, however, if you wanted private repos, you had to pay for that. Now, obviously, with the Microsoft acquisition of GitHub, it'll be interesting to see what the long-term play on all that is. But one of the things that did change, and this is prior to today's announcement, uh, they've been a preview. Microsoft has added support for what they call public projects or public organizations in Visual Studio Team Services, aka Azure DevOps Services. And the bottom line, that means if you're contributing back to open source to the public, Microsoft wants to help you. And they're going to help you whether your code's stored at Azure DevOps Services or if the code is stored in GitHub or on Bitbucket or anywhere else in the world. And with this release this week, what we're seeing is Azure Pipelines has new rich integration with GitHub via the GitHub Marketplace. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Okay, so that's Azure Pipeline. So that's one of the one of the features of Azure DevOps Services. What about Azure uh, Boards? Azure Boards is the tools that we use to track what we're doing. It's it's how are you going to get traceability? You know, for some people, you hear the term, "Oh, it's for project management." Yeah, it is, but the the whole point of the tooling has always been to be lightweight and be out of your way, yet still be very feature rich and provide things you need to know where you're going. When, when I show developers the board's feature, uh, I focus on how it helps them with traceability, how it, how it helps them find bugs, how it helps them more quickly deliver, deliver value. I don't like to focus on time tracking and reporting and all that stuff, and you can do that. Um, but the whole idea is just to provide that way to track from idea to release what's going on, who contributed to it, and how does it help deliver value to the company. Um, and boards is an area that, once again, if you use GitHub, you have GitHub issues, but maybe you want to step up to something a little more rich, you can do that. Um, and Azure Boards is a, is the rebranding of the work item tracking system that was available in, in TFS and yes. BSTS. Uh, there's going to be some subtle new things, but in this release, the renaming is 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 the biggest thing that's happening this week. Um, so what you're going to find is something that's established, rich, been around for a while. Excellent. Okay. So we've got Azure Pipelines, Azure Boards, and then we have Azure Repos. Now, this one probably is going to be pretty self-explanatory to most people. Azure Repos is basically the, the version now, control Now, Mickey, system. if I use Azure Repos, does it mean I have to use one particular type of version control? What are my choices? Well, your choices are you still have Team Foundation version control, or you can use Git. TFS and VSTS, Azure DevOps Services, have supported both for, you know, several years now, and they'll continue to support those. Yeah, I think we're forward. going on, based upon the timeline I had in front of me, about six years, because it was TFS 2012, and at the time the service was still in preview, they added Git support. Um, and that office, it's still funny to this day, as far along as we are, you know, there's 
often still confusion with people of Git versus GitHub. And in fact, in GitHub's uh, favor, you know, it really was great how they created this ubiquitous mapping between the idea of version control, open source, and GitHub as being a thing. But you can do Git without GitHub. You can do it without even being in the cloud. And in fact, uh, when Linus created it, it was all just to make his life easier, and he happened to give it to the open source community. And Microsoft has really embraced Git to the extreme that they've moved the Windows development team. The Windows development team uses Git. They have the largest Git repo in the world, at least the largest Git repo in the world that's been publicized. Obviously, there could be some company or some government that doesn't want to share uh, their size information. And But by doing using Git on a day-to-day, Microsoft is making Git better. They have lots of active contributions to Git. And now with the acquisition of GitHub, they're going to be very important caretakers of this technology. And the key thing with Azure repos is that you have choice within your team project, which is a thing inside Azure DevOps services or TFS, aka Azure DevOps server. Uh, It's how you manage your collective work. You can choose Git or TFVC, which is more centralized, um, and use what you want. You get things like semantic code search, web hooks and API integrations so that you can hook into other tracking. Let's say you want to use Atlassian to track your work. You know, we'd prefer you did it. At least I would. I like Azure boards better, and I think Microsoft does too, but they understand you might be invested in that. That's great. You can use that for your work tracking, but keep all your code in Azure repos and still integrate the two together. All right. So three down, two to go. We've talked Azure pipelines. We've talked Azure boards. We've talked Azure repos. Now it's everyone's, especially developers, favorite thing besides documentation, (laughs) Azure test plans. Yeah. um, You know, uh, testing is important. Quality is important. I think that's the important thing. How you deliver a quality release is going to be up to you and your organization. And as teams have gotten more agile, we've tried to shift left and we've really tried to bring quality closer to the development team because it's much cheaper to find and fix bugs in development than it is at a later phase in the in the process. With Azure test plans, we have lots of bits and bobs to help development teams increase their quality coverage. So doing manual test cases where a human's going through and trying out a script and flagging bugs to automated testing and using things, everything from load tests. Um, But once again, the goal here, just like the goal of Azure boards is to help you deliver higher quality solutions. And so it helps with things like in in traceability. So gathering feedback, both from people focused on quality, maybe QA engineers to end users, being able to provide us with feedback. And so it's nice to see that that's available. And once again, it's something that you can add on if you want or not use at all. Awesome. And finally, to wrap up the, the five areas we're talking about, we have Azure artifacts, which are a way to be able to create, host, and, well, and share package? your different packages. Tell us a little more about that. I don't know, Brian. You tell me. What's a package? Is well, that what know, I get from Amazon? I do a lot of shopping. It'd be interesting to have Azure Artifacts help me with my uh, my online orders because that does create a problem. It made it so easy for me to be a shopaholic. But no, um, I think we're talking about something else, right? Um, 
when you uh, think about building software, we've evolved how we share code. And one of the ways we share code at the binary level is through various types of packages. Um, in the .NET world, we have NuGet. Uh, for the world of Java, Maven is one of the most popular mechanisms. And in the JavaScript space around uh, Node.js, we have NPM. Um, and in macOS, there's things like uh, called CocoaPods. Um, so Azure Artifacts is designed to help you manage those packet types. And today it manages Maven, NPM, and NuGet out of the box, both private feeds, so just for your organization, or it'll help you have public feeds to um, expose them to the world. And so it's designed to help you share code efficiently, track it, um, integrate it to your pipelines. And that's one of the really cool things is that you've got this easy ability to go through Azure pipelines, create a build, build your, say, a .NET mm -hmm. DLL, for example, package it as a NuGet package, and publish it into a feed all right there in one self-contained setup. So, that's so really I no nice longer necessarily well. have to take my binaries and store them in source control somewhere where then other people can use it. I can instead make use of this uh, Azure Artifacts feature to be able to share those binaries. Exactly. And in fact, if you're using Git for version control, it's not designed to handle binaries. Um, Linus, when he created it, it's all about source code. So Git is optimized for text-based files, not for binaries. That doesn't mean you can't. Git will do it, but then you do it with bloated repositories to the point that Microsoft and the folks at GitHub worked on something called Git LFS, or Large File Support, uh, which is an extension to Git. Uh, to help manage those type of things. But in reality, your output artifacts should be in some other service, some package management technology, and Azure Artifacts will Oh, and I that. agree with you. You should not be storing your large binaries in version control, at least from my perspective. Okay, so this is great. What, what you got? Now, so, you know, Mickey, I'm going to put this to you because you work for Microsoft. And the fact that they're calling it Azure DevOps Services does that mean I'm totally hosed and I can't work with AWS or Google Cloud or even my own private on-premises cloud? Oh, absolutely cloud? not, Brian. Some kind of, you because know. as you talked about at the top of the hour, um, we are, you know, we are a more inclusive Microsoft now. We, we've, you know, we we love open source. We love Linux. We, you know, VS Code is works across all platforms. So we're trying to take the same tact with. Azure DevOps services. So we have the ability to pick and choose the pieces that we want to work with. Now, obviously, we've got a great product. All of these things work well together, you know, boards, pipelines, um, repos, all of those things work great together. But you do have the capability to just pick the pieces that you want and maybe work with other tools that you're already comfortable working with. For example, you might be using, say, Jenkins to do your builds. So maybe you start using Azure repos to store your source code, but you keep using Jenkins to do your builds, and then you deploy off to both maybe AWS and Azure. So the goal is for you to be able to mix and match and use the tools you need to make developers more productive and make developers more effective at the end of the day. So to be clear, I could... <clears throat> mix and match GitHub, Azure Pipelines and Azure Boards, but maybe use Ansible as, as part of my solution. Or maybe I want to use Jenkins and Trello, but 
but use Azure repos and Azure test plans. I can do all that and I can target the Google Cloud. Exactly. Example. You have the ability to use all of those things, mix and match them together to make the environment that you need to make yourself successful. Well, you know, I think that's great that Microsoft is really doing this because the name is going to confuse people, but understand Microsoft does care. They, they think they have a best of breed solution across the board, but they're so confident they're willing now to break it up into pieces and let you have a go at it. So that's really great. I use Azure DevOps every day. Uh, as an MVP, I'm committed to it. I do my business on it. I help my customers with it. And what's really great about it is how it's available for the small, medium, and enterprise-level customers. I mean, my my company's small. I know lots of individuals that use Azure DevOps services uh, for their source code, their projects. And then you have you know really big companies like you know Shell, um, Hawaiian Airlines that are working directly with it. Of course, Microsoft themselves. Builds VSTS, aka has your DevOps services with it. Um, the Windows team is using it. The Office team is using it. They're fully committed to making this service available and uh, out there for you, which means we should talk about something. You know, last week was uh, pretty hard on the team because we had kind of one of those act of God things you don't really count on happening. Lightning struck the South Central uh, data center in the US and that caused some issues. And I think for a lot of people, that can make them wonder, you know, should they trust Microsoft? And I, I think the reality is that bad things will happen. Um, the question is, could you have done better if you'd had the same level of pain? If Lightning had struck your data center, how fast could you have recovered? I know I couldn't have. If the, the Lightning struck and ruined my, my server rack in my garage, I'd be hosed. And that's just the point. I don't have the resources to get it back online. Did I lose some time? Yes. Did I lose any data? No. And I think that's probably one of the critical things. Microsoft made the choice to not lose people's data. Uh, Buck Hodges and the team have developed a good, uh, good postmortem that you'll be able to read and make your own decision. But I have all the faith in the world that Microsoft can do a better job than I can long-term at providing a safe place for my code and all the assets I need to deliver my solution, as well as keep things available and online. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, obviously it was a very uh, tough couple of days there last week. Um, but I do feel that there are some lessons learned and I, I still a hundred percent firmly have no problem putting my, my trust in Azure and Azure DevOps and, and all of that for being able to where I want to build my code. And I say that not just because I'm a DevOps architect, but because as you, just like you, I've been using this product for years and I, I have a very f solid, comfortable, think it does what it needs to do to help developers do their best. Well, I think, you know, we could keep talking, but I think it'll be good to uh, get the, uh, our first podcast out the door as well as see how the week comes up. And then we'll follow up next week with uh, some additional Follow-up, we'll see how the Twitter universe and the rest of the, our companies that we know and our customers, the reaction is. And I'm sure we'll have some rude Q&A to talk about as well. Uh, there's lots of other stuff that we could talk about, but I don't want to belabor a dead point. Now, Mickey, what can't you let go of this week? You know, you, you talked about how 
you listen to other podcasts and you heard them talk about something like this, yes. right? Which is something that you're really into. Yeah, so I listen to the to the NPR Politics podcast. And one of the things they do on that podcast every week is they have a – all the hosts have a what is something they can't let go of that week that's just really you know on their mind or keeps, you know, keeps them up at night. And my can't let go this week is my current gaming obsession, which is Hearthstone, which is a collectible card game, online card game based off of the, the World of Warcraft universe. There's a new expansion. It has three new expansions every year. There's a new expansion that just dropped about two weeks ago. And initially, I've been very excited about this expansion because I thought it would really shake up the metagame. But now I'm finding that we're still having these two or three core decks that everyone seems to be winning with. So right now, I'm trying out the Rogue deck, which is called the Quest Rogue, for those of you that play the game. And so far, with... About 15 games under my belt, I've won 14 of the 15. So that either shows you that it's a little overpowered or it's just really, really a good deck. But I really can't let go of the Quest Rogue deck, and I'm not going to as long as I keep winning. So so who do you play with this deck? Are you playing online play or are you playing online. in clubs? You play online against random other people, or you if you have friends that are in your friends list, you can play against them as well. But there's a whole ladder system where you're trying to ladder up from, from rank 25 to what's called to legend. And then you have a, 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 a laddering system in legend. And ultimately, if you end up in high legend at the end of every three months, you get invited to the tournament where you can win like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow, so we don't find Mickey showing up for work, we'll know where to find him. <laughs> well, what about you, Brian? What can you not let go of this week? You know, it's interesting. The, the my my big thing right now, my big obsession is sleep. Um, I'm trying to get quality sleep so I can be more productive during the day and not be dragging and not feel like I need to mainline caffeine from coffee. However, <clears throat> one thing that has uh come up that is something that's been gnawing at me and is starting to drag me in is my children are obsessed with Fortnite. So they currently play Fortnite on their Xbox one. And I watch my son play in particular. He's gotten quite good and plays with his buddies as well as random people from the internet. So does my daughter. And I actually, this weekend created myself an Epic games account and linked it to my Xbox live ID so that I can play Fortnite. So I'm worried that I will have a problem the next time we talk. But for now, it's uh, really sleep's the big obsession. And of course, DevOps all the time. Well, for me with Fortnite, because my youngest daughter plays Fortnite on her phone of all places and just kicks butt on her phone. I have it on the Xbox One. I've tried to play it. But being an old school shooter like I am, playing you know Halo and those kinds of things, I find that I forget to do all the building aspects and all I do is run around trying to shoot people. And that's always seems to be my downfall. So I'll be interested to hear how you do on Fortnite. Yeah, my son is, it's funny watching him, first of all, his character run across the field bouncing all the time because I guess that's one of the things you do to make it harder for people to shoot you. But he is also constantly building. You constantly see the little mm -hmm. hand movements as it builds stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot to it. What I do like is I realize there is a practice mode or playground mode where you can at least explore the world and kind of get your bearings. But what's amazing, just like DevOps has its vocabulary, the the words and the places and all the things that my son throws out is just it's it's insane. I just wish he'd put that much into his schoolwork. And with school starting, 
we've now got this kind of quid pro quo. You got to get good grades and you got to get your homework done before you can play Fortnite. And so if the grades go down, there'll be no Fortnite for you. Oh, and you need to ask him if the current season, which I think is season five of Fortnite as, as of this recording, they just introduced a new game mode, which is basically cops and robbers. So if you haven't seen that yet, you should check it out. I'll definitely ask him. I'm sure he's up to date. He is obsessed about it. Uh, you know, everything from the skins to, you know, for his birthday, it's like, give me V-Bucks. And I'm like, what? And so, yeah, we had to go through there. So <laughs> it's, it's just all crazy town. Well, Mickey, should we wrap this thing up? I think uh, version one is in the can. I agree. I agree. So, Brian, how do our listeners find you if they want to know more about you and what you're doing? Well, you can reach me. Uh, at my email address, which is brianr at mcwtech.com. Uh, on Twitter, it's probably the easiest way because I don't get as much tweets as I do email. Uh, so I'm at Brian Randall on Twitter. You can read my blog at blog.brianrandall.com. And if for some reason you're crazy enough to want to have me come on site to your organization and consult with you and give you grief in person, uh, you can go to mcwtech.com and uh, look me up there. Awesome. And you can find me, the best way to find me is usually Twitter. So I'm Mickey underscore Gousset on Twitter. My website is MickeyGousset.com, which I update infrequently. And you can always send me an email at Mickey.Gousset at Microsoft.com. You're either going to misspell Mickey or misspell Gousset more than likely. So I'll make sure we put all this information in the show notes. But you're more than welcome to reach out to me, you know, about pretty much anything, DevOps, Hearthstone, or anything else you want to talk about. Now, how do they find out information about the show, Brian, though? Because they might care more about the show than us. I get that feeling as well. So, of course, the show will be at DevOps.fm. Uh, we have the Twitter handle, uh, DevOpsFM, as well. And finally, you can email the show via the show at DevOps.fm. Awesome, awesome. Well, this has been a great first episode, I think. It's awesome to kick off our first episode with the rename of... of VSTS to Azure DevOps services. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot to cover both around DevOps related to Azure DevOps, as well as just DevOps in general. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that we look forward to is ourselves branching out into areas that are new for us. And with Azure DevOps services and Azure DevOps server being open to everybody and every type of tool and technology on all major platforms, I think, uh, it's just going to be an exciting time. And I look forward to the podcast. And it's a great excuse to get together with my buddy, Mickey, see his smiling face and have a conversation. So thank you for joining us. Have a good evening, everybody. Goodbye. Now, if you were brave enough to continue listening after we said goodbye, welcome to the super secret after show podcast. So what do we talk about in the super secret after show podcast? Pretty much anything we want. Just, you know, shoot the crap for a couple of minutes. Just, you know, give, give users, not users, but listeners insight into the world of podcasting and or the world of us. I seriously doubt they'll probably listen to this, but you never know. Well, what's interesting about that is if they do, the big thing I'm going to wonder is will we get to a point where people want to be able to give us crap live while we record? I noticed from some of the podcasts they do that they record at a certain time and you and I as consultants and traveling will have to kind of work on it because 
it's kind of hard to keep a regular schedule for us. Well, I've got some plans around that. So I'm hoping that, you know, obviously we didn't really solicit questions or anything in this particular podcast, but we'll probably solicit questions and stuff from people. And then if we get to where we're can actually prove to ourselves that we can do this regularly, then you start doing things like doing it on, you know, streaming it on twitch.tv while you record. So there people can ask you questions live, or you have a discord channel that you create where people can ask you questions in a chat room live. So I could see all that potentially happening. Yeah. I figured we should get some regular recording under our belt first, and then uh, maybe start with something as simple as let's try it live or with the live audience. And then also, maybe once a month, et cetera. Because, I mean, my God, man, you're crazy. I'm on the road. I got VS Live Chicago coming up. You're going to be in San Diego doing some consulting as part of your day job. Yep. It's going to, I mean, we both, that's the thing. And that's, dear listeners, that's one one of our concerns was that, you know, we want, if we do this, we want to try to do this on a weekly basis. So we've all, we've both acquired equipment and stuff so that we can do this on the road, hopefully at a good quality. And now the goal is Mickey and Brian keep their act together and do this weekly. All very exciting for sure. Yeah, that's a big thing. My big problem with the mobile is everything is very mobile except the stand I have has a metal base that's like way too heavy. So I've got to find a better desk stand because that's one of the big problems in hotel rooms is is getting that. Because the nice thing about my mic is it doesn't pick up a lot of noise because it's, you know, it's very focused as an audio mic. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be hard for us. Yeah, see, I purchased a, a – I've got a recording a, – a room that I've turned into a recording studio at home. I'm not actually using that today, though. I'm using my travel mic that I bought because I wanted to test out the quality for it. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully, audio issues aside, our audience will be engaged and interested enough to tune in every week. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have more than one listener. <laughs> That's the goal. Absolutely. All you right. Folks, well, let's you... wrap this thing up, brother. All right. You have a good one, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye, Bye everybody.